0: You guys, I'm really excited to tell you about a new online course that I'm offering. It's called Pleasure, Peace, and Power. And it's for anybody who identifies as a woman or anyone who cares about a partner who identifies as a woman. It's a four-week course where I give you data and evidence-informed tips and insights and strategies To find the sexual satisfaction and serenity and self confidence that's your right. So, if you're struggling to find excitement in a long term relationship, if you're feeling anxious about sex and commitment, if you're wondering how to tap into your sensual superpowers, or you just want to feel better about yourself, I really do think that my online course, Pleasure, Peace, and Power, can help you find all three. So, if you're interested, DM me on Instagram at WednesdayMartinPHG to receive information about how to sign up. And I'll see you there. Hey, true sex and wild love listeners. I don't know about you, but I'm very, very fussy about what I put on my face, what I put on my vulva, and what I put in my vagina. And that is why I was so excited when I learned about a company called Living Libations. What is it? It's a luxurious Canadian line of pure source, raw, organic, and botanical beauty care, intimacy lubricants, raw chocolate, oh my God, so delicious, and holistic oral care products that you can use after you eat the chocolate. Oh my gosh, I love this stuff. First of all, it was created by Nadine Artemis, who calls herself a beauty philosopher, which I love. She's the author of Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care and she has an incredible philosophy. They use essential oils and their products are highly concentrated. They preserve purity, space, and resources by offering full potency products without any fillers, no diluters, no artificial colors, and no petrochemicals because ick. I don't want that stuff on my face or on my vajay for sure. I love so many of the products uh, that I'm using. of There's My favorite might be this rose cream, which you can put on your lips, you can put on your cheeks. I kind of spread some on my arms sometimes if I want a little rosy glow, it smells delicious and it feels delicious on your skin. But I am obsessed, completely obsessed with their product called languid love butter. Only living libations could make this. This is a lube that smells and tastes so good and is made with ingredients, wait for it, that you can eat, okay? Because I'm not putting anything on my vulva or on my vagina that I wouldn't put in my mouth, okay? just trust me, you're going to just love these products. Look, synthetic lubes are often just kind of momentary moisturizers or like petal plumpers. You know, they're only offering you a very temporary lubrication. And often uh, those ingredients of kind of drugstore lubes actually uh, dehydrate your vulva and your vagina. And we don't want that. On the other hand, Living Libations has this organic petal passion serum, they call it. And that sort of lubricates your spaces and soothes you using ingredients that you wouldn't be scared to put in your mouth and they're ingredients that you can pronounce. There's something really great about that. I'm obsessed and I think you will be too. And here's some really great news about Living Libations and their incredible product line. Just go to livinglibations.com forward slash TSWL and use the code TSWL and you can get 20% off. Hey, that means that you can buy an extra pot of Languid Love Butter and you can send it to me. On this episode of True Sex and Wild Love, we speak with Egyptian American activist, Instagram influencer, and model Merhen Keller about the hell she and other women activists are raising in Egypt. Did you know that Egyptian women are going to jail and being held without bail right now for going on TikTok? Did you know that Merhen? helped break a 12-year cold case and bring a man who had killed his two daughters to justice. She is so inspiring. She's going to tell you about those cases and other things that she's working on, and she's going to make you feel like you too can make a difference in the world and tell you how you can get involved. We know you'll love her as much as we do. Enjoy. Whitney can't be with us today. Um, She's recuperating. Um, She's a little under the weather. So I have the pleasure today of speaking myself to Merhen Keller, who is an activist. She is an anti-sexual assault educator. And she's also a model and an Instagram influencer. And she's changing the lives of women in Egypt in the Middle East and in the United States. Mirhan, thank you for being on the show with us again. Thank you so
1: much, Wednesday. I love being on the podcast, my favorite.
0: Well, you're one of of the guests that we hear from our listeners about the most. And because you are so tireless in your work, Whitney and I knew we had to get you back on again because you have to catch us up um last time that you were on with us on the podcast we talked about assault police yeah. um which is the movement that some people in the United States call the Egyptian Me Too movement mm-hmm. that uh a group of women in Egypt started because they were so sick of being sexually harassed and sexually assaulted um but now you have you are still involved with assault police and assault police is doing all kinds of things for women in Egypt and the Middle East. And so we said to ourselves, let's get her back on to talk about what she's up to now. Thank you. That made a huge difference the first
1: time we spoke because a lot of people started to notice what's going on in Egypt. A lot of support was shown. And when people talk about something, the media also covers it. And we got international media coverage. It was massive. So thank you so much
0: for the opportunity. Let's keep doing that. You hear that, listeners? You're making a big difference, Absolutely. just like Mirhan and her fellow activists are. Okay, Mirhan, there is a big thing going on in Egypt right now yeah. that Americans might not know about. I think Declan Walsh at the New York Times is one of the few people writing about it. Talk to us about the TikTok women of Egypt and what has been going on since April of 2020?
1: Well, many of them were arrested. I believe six, some even say nine, but the names that I know are six people. Two of them um, I had collaborations over social media with before, Mawadda Al-Adham and Hanin Hussam. Both of them have the same trial every time. They go to the same courtroom at the same time. And the accusations against them is pretty much similar with a little bit of difference. Um, So, sadly, the case keeps getting delayed. The hearings keep getting delayed. It's been six months already. And um, now we have reached the point where the judge already told us that he booked the case for ruling. So he already decided. Um, But we will not find out what the verdict is um, until February.
0: And this trial keeps getting delayed. So a little context, which for our listeners who might not know about this uh, and what Merhen and her fellow activists have been tirelessly bringing to light. In July, these influencers that you mentioned, Hanin Hassam, who's 20 years old, right? And uh, Mawada El Adham, who's 22. Mm -hmm. They were sentenced to two years in prison. They were fined about $19,000. Each. And the charge was assaulting family principles and values in Egyptian society. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> um, I have seen uh, these TikTok videos. I have seen Hanin Hassam's yeah. TikTok account. She is wearing, basically she's wearing a hijab. Yeah, she is yeah. wearing... Too. Right? She's wearing like a long sleeve hoodie with the hoodie pulled over her hair yes. to be in compliance with Sharia law. Her entire body is covered. And in other, in other of her TikTok videos, she's wearing a headscarf, right? Yes. And her whole body is covered in compliance with Sharia law. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, she's in deep trouble. Um her family's in deep trouble and, and all these other young women are in deep trouble as well for using TikTok. And it's funny, Merhen, because in this country, what we know about TikTok, um, is that, you know, president on elect Trump, uh, (laughs) was angry about it because people were taking to it to criticize him widely. And also there were concerns that the Chinese government could be using TikTok to spy on us. And Donald Trump tried to ban it and it wasn't, successful. But so that's that's all we know about TikTok. How have women been using TikTok in Egypt and why why are some of these lawyers and public prosecutors um losing their minds about it?
1: I think the only answer and the true honest answer is it is a problem of social standards. So basically if you are middle class it's okay for you to dress in that way. You're okay to wear a swimming suit because you were born, raised, educated in a a good class financially, I mean. But if Mm -hmm. you come from a poor background or a poor family, the people from the same category like you are the ones who will oppose this because they take it personally. They think you're embarrassing them. You're embarrassing the culture. You look cheap, so you make all of us look cheap. And I believe that the government wanted to pacify them. So they decided to prosecute these women. And the biggest (laughs) proof is we have very popular belly dancers in Egypt. They dress in a lot less clothing. We have superstars who were just attending El Gona Festival, which is very similar to like the uh, Oscars celebrations. They wear gowns, beautiful gowns, long, and, and also it's revealing. But yet nobody critiques them this way. Or they do, but they don't take them to court. They don't go to jail over it.
0: I see. So we're seeing really an intersection of two things here, that of religiosity on the one hand and economic class. So poorer women and women who live in more uh, religious communities um, tend to get in trouble for this more, is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting because um, you and I were talking a little bit about how there are these lawyers in Egypt who sort of appoint themselves um, as the enforcers. So you're saying that the the impetus comes sometimes from the girls' communities and then the lawyers get involved. Is that what happens?
1: Well, it, it depends because there are so many lawyers, for example, who are rich now, but they come from the same class. So they still have the same old beliefs that a woman from this class is supposed to dress more modestly. And somebody like the same person who sued them, um, Samir Sabri, he, he oh, is always against even actresses who dress in a certain way. If he believes it's revealing, he's just going to file a complaint against you out of nowhere.
0: And then- you There decide. are two lawyers in Egypt who are doing this a lot. One is Ashrad Farhat. Mm-hmm. And the other you just mentioned is Samir Sabri. Yes. Yeah. And they literally, I mean, who the hell do these guys think they are? They're literally trolling women's mm-hmm. social media accounts yes. and getting rich off of accusing them, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Cuz there's this there's this 2018 cybercrime law in Egypt which provides prison sentences and really heavy fines for digital content that people think is violating public morals, right? And there's that, that 2018 cyber crime law in Egypt also allows for lots of government surveillance of social media. And those laws use really vague language Mm -hmm. so that violating public morals can mean, you know, literally hundreds of things, right? Absolutely.
1: Um, You know, I'm not a violent person, even when it comes to my way of thinking, because I think violence only brings violence. We need to have a conversation. And I totally understand that what's going on right now is very new. It's new to the people in Egypt and also new to the government because the government is people from Egypt. So I understand that sometimes mistakes will happen. We're still trying to move forward and make things better. I have seen them act very fast and swiftly on other co- cases of rape and sexual harassment, and I was really impressed. But in cases like this, I truly think that they should rely more on experts. So for example, one of the accusations against Hanin is human trafficking. When I read this, I was I was shocked. This is such a huge accusation against a 19-year-old
0: How- who is who's basically just dancing around exactly. in a hoodie and sweatpants exactly. right
1: and then when i asked how how is that even possible it's baseless accusation i was told that because she's a social media influencer sometimes she uses a discount code right and she tells people if you use it she makes commission out of it and so on it's something like a domino effect but in a good way and right. consider this as if she was recruiting more girls to dance and speak to guys online and make money, and then she makes money off of them, and this is somehow became human trafficking.
0: Oh my God. So these are basically just hugely puffed up charges. Yes.
1: Yes. I because
0: really because of this vague cybercrime law, yeah. because of this baggy rubric, right, yeah. called violating public morals, yeah. and because of these money hungry, um, self-appointed social behavior of women police, right? Yes. Ashraf yeah. Farah yeah. and Samir Sabri. Listeners, remember those names because when these men are coming for women in Egypt, yeah. they have an agenda to change how women can be, not just in Egypt, but all over the world. Absolutely. And yeah. remember those names. and and And, you know... Marhan, tell us how you got involved, what you're doing here um with the TikTok women and what our listeners can do to help. I because these women have been put in jail without bail. I mean No, actually no, it's even worse than that. They approved the bail
1: and um the moms of the two girls actually collected the money with difficulty because their their families are not from money. And right. they paid the bail. And by the end of the day, we were informed that the public prosecutor has overruled against it. So they paid the money, but they didn't let them go. And it gets worse. They have done it again. They told them that now your bail has been approved. You need to pay 50,000 Egyptian pounds each and you will be bailed out until your next hearing. And then they got also excited and we thought that they're going to go home. And then they did the same exact thing again and sent them back to jail.
0: So this jail is not what. This is not okay.
1: No, it is not okay. Um, I think what happened is that people were really angry, and this is very very sad. When people get mad at somebody in Egypt, it's so easy to get reported, like in in big volume. Thousands of people are reporting your account for being inappropriate, and then Instagram or Facebook will take down your account, so you're even stripped from your rights to explain yourself or defend yourself. And then their excuse is that we don't speak Arabic. We don't know what's going on. Well, your platform is operating in the Middle East. You better hire people for the Middle East then, or don't offer the service at all. And then the government is in a situation where they're like, okay, people are mad. We have to arrest these people. That's basically what happened.
0: Now this got, I mean, this is so outrageous. And one of the, one of the outrageous to me is that Americans we are not hearing this enough and that's why I'm so glad you're here so glad you're involved so glad you're elevating uh the the profile of this whole story but let's just say it got so bad that um Amnesty International got involved they put out a statement yeah. and they said instead of policing women online the Egyptian government must prioritize investigating widespread cases of sexual and gender-based violence against women and girls in Egypt, and take real steps to combat gender discrimination in law and practice. They're basically Amnesty International got involved and said this whole TikTok thing is a sideshow. We have really big problems in Egypt, and the really big problems that we have in Egypt have nothing to do with young women dancing around in sweatpants and and hoodies with their hair covered on TikTok.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, every place has problems. We are still third world country. We have a lot of problems. We have concerns about our water, the Nile. We have problems with um, other countries on the borders. We were also believing that we might get into war with Libya. So there is a lot going on locally and internationally. So I felt that these women got really forgotten. I thought initially that the point was to send a clear message that you cannot use social media the way that you please. It's exactly as real life. If you commit a crime in real life, it's exactly the same online. And I thought, you know what? Maybe they made a mistake and this is gonna be corrected soon. But hmm. I really think they got forgotten because we have other problems. And this is why I started to think, for example, Mawadda's mom doesn't live in Cairo, she doesn't live in the capital. She's an old lady, she cannot make trips from one city to the other to go and try to help her daughter. So it's really heartbreaking. And I felt like, okay, we need to do something. We need to hire good lawyers to tell us how to approach this issue.
0: So you helped in the process of getting these women publicity and representation. I'm trying to help as much as
1: I can. I totally understand that there's so many people who do not want to talk about it for many different reasons. Sadly, if somebody or a woman goes to jail in Egypt, the media has a field trip. They will call her names. They will say that she gets her money from prostitution, uh, all kinds of accusations.
0: And- right. When women try to defend themselves, they basically go on trial yeah. and the, the victims are blamed for yeah. the things that happen and
1: to them. It, it really broke my heart when I found out that Hanin, Um, refused to apologize. I think she had words with a police officer or something and she refused to apologize. That broke my heart because I didn't expect that strength from her. And I feel ashamed that I underestimated her. She's 19 years old, but she stood her ground. I didn't do anything wrong to apologize. And she refused. That's
0: very brave.
1: Very brave. And I was very sad that she, even in that worst situation possible, and she's still strong and standing, and she believes that she didn't do anything wrong, anything more than all the other girls in her and Sharma Sheik, dancing in nightclubs and lounges in their bikini. Just because she comes from a different category or from less fortunate,
0: um, you know, fam- this is This is such an important point that these prosecutors are able to go asymmetrically um, they're able to prosecute women who have less money, yeah. who come from poor backgrounds, right? Yeah. So you're saying that women with more money can get more of a pass, but these women are left in limbo. And it sounds like you and the activists that you work with are trying to um, end end that asymmetry yeah. and address it.
1: Actually, there was a video circulating on the internet after Mawadda got um, arrested. And it was a sex tape. And everyone in the media said that this is Mawadda and this is probably why she's arrested. When I hired a lawyer, his office made an extensive research until we found that original video following the digital print. We found the full video and we confirmed that this is not Mawadda. It's downloaded from a porn website in Europe. And the woman's face is very clear in the rest of the video. So I submitted this to the police. And she was cleared from this accusation because that was one of the accusations against
0: her. But what I'm saying is, isn't this the police's job? It's persecution. Right. That you have to step in. First, okay. First of all, this is an old strategy, right? When a woman destabilizes the social order, yeah. one of the first things that you'll hear is that she's a whore. Yep. Right. Okay. And in this case, they said, Oh, she's she's challenging, she's going on TikTok, she's dancing, she's making money. Yep. Um, she's not compliant enough. So we're gonna say that not only is it wrong that she's uh, a TikTok influencer, but we're, we're going to accuse her of being a porn star,
1: Yeah, right?
0: Yeah. We're going to assail her reputation even more. And the psychological trauma of doing that and the danger they put her in with these false accusations, right?
1: Absolutely. Because her punishment is not going to end after she leaves jail. I mean, let's say that she had to serve the rest of the time in jail, which is one more year. She's already been there almost for a year. So after she gets out, how is this society going to treat her? They're going to treat her like a bad woman with a bad reputation. She just got out of jail. And this basically is just, it's devastating. You can't even walk in the street, especially if you're already a famous
0: face. Right. These women have become infamous and their crime is going on TikTok. Um, probably 9 of them in jail without bail you said it's even worse than that that people have collected bail and and paid it and the women are still in jail here's yeah. another thing that amnesty international had to say about the situation of the tiktok women in egypt yeah. quote the egyptian authorities must immediately and unconditionally release all the women tiktok influencers and drop the outrageous charges against them they should also repeal or amend all egyptian laws restricting bodily autonomy yeah. the right to privacy and freedom of expression and belief in the name of quote morality or quote decency yeah. okay now amnesty international is not, they don't they don't overstate their case amnesty international is always very cautious in what they say Yes. this is like this is like a searing indictment of what the Egyptian government is doing to these women. How can our listeners help you and help these women? What can the listeners uh
1: One thing that is really important, I was just talking about this with my closest friend. I said that Americans do not understand how the results of the elections affect all of us. They think they're choosing their president, but they're also choosing the policies that will be um, in action in our countries. So, for example, Donald Trump was very, very close to the Egyptian government. And um, he was pretty much friends with our Egyptian government. And you know where he stands on women uh, cases or causes. Um, He was the biggest sexist,
0: the biggest bully, and he supports such behavior and a serial sexual assaulter. Twenty-six accusations of sexual assault against Donald Trump, which are all remarkably similar in detail, even though the women never spoke to each other. They outline similar patterns in the assault similar things that Trump did and uh, there's also one case of him raping a woman Eugene Carroll um in oh, oh, oh. At, at Bergdorf Goodman of all places um and um so yes there is a public record of accusations of sexual assault against Donald Trump he himself uh it was taped talking about how he sexually assaulted him and yes yeah, we the United all heard States... Them. Yeah, the the U.S. had a president who was, I mean, we would call him our assaulter-in-chief, many of us. Yes. And and you're saying that has a big influence on domestic policy in Egypt. Huge, huge. Because if we
1: think about it realistically, there is a massive uh, collaboration and communication between the two governments, um, especially with the U.S. aid that is sent to Egypt. So imagine if you are... Um, practice or your, if your practices are against human rights, for example, but the president of the US doesn't care that much about women rights. He's not going to be like, okay, maybe I should reconsider where I send the American money. Maybe I should reconsider who's handling our money. Is it really going, going as aid for the Egyptian people or not? For example, so if a president is really in for Human rights, he's going to care. And that is going to influence the other countries because they don't want to look back. They don't want to ruin their international relationships.
0: So one of the things that we've done right already to help these young women in Egypt is is unelect our <laughs> assaulter-in-chief, Donald Trump, and and elect uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And now
1: we're really I, hopeful for these two. We're really cheering for them. All women are so hopeful in Egypt that a lot of changes are going to happen because Biden is, is the president now. Um, so this is funny, and I don't think all Americans understand this. It is what a
0: big difference it makes.
1: Absolutely. And the second thing is that once the international media gets a hold of a story, it puts pressure on the people responsible for such tragedies. Because again, nobody wants to look bad, Um, especially if the US, again, is leading the campaign or people in the US are like, okay, this is not good. We don't like this. Again, they're going to have to reconsider their position. So when Americans care, And they share the story. They tell each other and they tell friends. The media will notice and they will understand there's something going on in another part of the world. And then they will take care of that.
0: Great. Well, I have some suggestions for our listeners who want to help um, get more coverage for this issue. You can email Declan Walsh at the New York Times. Just Google Declan Walsh. He covers the Egypt beat and he covers women's issues in Egypt. I don't know why they have a guy doing it, but his name is Declan Walsh. Um, Email him at the New York Times. Tell him that you want to read more stories about what's going on with the TikTok influencers in Egypt, about what's happening with sexual assault culture in Egypt. Tell them that you want to know more about women activists in Egypt pushing back against state-sanctioned violence against them and uh, ridiculous forms of persecution for things like, quote, violating family values, unquote, or, quote, showing charms, unquote. And write to your local, uh, you know, email people, get in touch with people, tweet to reporters, at your local papers, at all the platforms that you like to read. If you like to read Marie Claire or Vice, I don't know what you like to read, what online platforms you like. Find reporters and at them in a tweet, asking them to cover the situation in Egypt. Tell them that you want to know more about the TikTok influencers and what's happening to them and why. Uh, Tell them that you want to read more about this. You want to know more about this, that you think it's an important story. And people will cover it. And as you're saying, Merhan, it will, can make a big difference.
1: Absolutely. Huge difference. Three a three huge difference. were released already. Not Hanin and Maud, the other three people. Who,
0: uh, so three women have been released yes. from these ridiculous trumped-up charges.
1: Yes. And then we're hopeful that the next hearing they will release Maud and Hanin as well. I just hope because it's, it can either go really, really well and they let them go as well. Or they might think, okay, these were the scapegoats, you know, we got two, so that the rest will be afraid. So I hope I'm wrong.
0: Right. Let's hope that 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 these prosecutors, these ridiculous prosecutors don't think that they're going to make an example of Mawada and Hanin Hopefully. Hassan. Um, and again just keep pressuring news outlets, whatever platforms you read, tell them that you want to know more about this. Um, it's just incredibly important that we get coverage for this issue in the United States. And, you know, we all have skin in this game, Merhen. Absolutely. I mean, when when poor women in Egypt get asymmetrically persecuted for being autonomous, it really drags down female autonomy everywhere. I mean, it's an issue for all of us. Of course. I think the, my
1: favorite thing about the feminist movement that is happening right now is that someone like Nadine is, is a person from a completely different background than these women. So Nadine is Western educated. She's an, an American university student in Egypt. Um, she's from a well off family, but yet she is the one who stood up and was like, okay, this is wrong. We need to do something about this. So I'm really happy to see the differences between classes disappear. It doesn't exist anymore. We all feel that if one woman is facing injustice, all of us are not free until this person gets justice.
0: Amen to that. And amen to women like you and the other activists who, you know, come from. Um, more privileged backgrounds and are using that privilege to help these women. It's really inspiring, I think.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And you know, the, the stakes are so high because women in Egypt have turned to social media to seek out justice. Like the, t- the TikTok thing is just one form of expression. Yes. But women have been using social media like assault police, right? Yes. You guys used social media to seek justice for rape and assault. Yeah. And sometimes when women do that in Egypt, they can be themselves, the women who speak out against their assaulters can be charged with indecency and arrested. Yeah,
1: it happens. Sometimes it depends on the, uh,
0: the circumstances, basically, and the story.
1: So if you were uh, raped at some guy's apartment, the first question will be, why did you go to his apartment? Not, are you, did you get raped? And this, by
0: itself, is horrible mm. so well, so thank you for assault police. I mean, everybody follow at assault Police, and they will be posting things about what we can do to help the TikTok influencers. You can also like we said, get in touch with press in your area or whatever online platform, you know, you get your articles from, just pressure them to cover it. All right, let's talk about another thing you've been working on, Merhen. Mm -hmm. Oh, people also, if you want to help the Instagram influencers, you can also um, look at what Amnesty International is doing in Egypt um, and help out that way through Uh, getting involved with Amnesty International yourself or making a donation or or putting it on your social media and getting all your friends to talk about it. All right, Merhan, let's move on to this other incredible thing that you and the activists you work with have been working on. Mm -hmm. You recently exposed a serial abuser. Yes. um, Who had been abusing underage girls in the Coptic Christian community For years. Tell us about this case. This case
1: is the weirdest I have ever seen. And I have seen so many ugly things. So it means something because I don't understand that man. So I understand if someone is raping, it's because he wants the sexual gratification. Same for the harasser, the sexual harasser. This guy, what he does is so scary and very strange. So basically... He preys on innocent girls who are under the age of 17, 16. And he goes to church because this happens only in the Christian community. He goes to church with his wife, who works as his secretary. And they start recruiting girls by telling them that he works for the church. He doesn't, just to make that clear. And the priest himself announced that that person is dangerous and not So he used to show up in every event in the church and him and his wife start talking to girls and tell them that um, you are not reaching your maximum potential because your parents are abusing you. Um, They are, are cutting your wings. You don't know that they're causing you a lot of trouble. And then they start warming up to him. And of course, because of their young age and he for them is a holy person who also claims to be a doctor. He says he's a psychiatrist, but he's not a
0: psychiatrist.
1: Not he's a general practitioner. He is not a psychiatrist, and he doesn't know anything about psychology whatsoever. I
0: mean, this is this is the least of the terrible things he's doing. But but go on.
1: Absolutely, because if you think about it, this man is so powerful. He is supported by the two most trusted um, things in Egypt: religion and being a doctor.
0: Right? Where where right? Like the medical community and the Christian. Okay. religious community. or okay. He's like leveraging off that, right? Yes. So he started creating
1: this cult where he pretty much placed himself as the cult leader. He asked them to come to his house and he takes them to the bedroom and injects stuff with a needle in their behind. And until now, we don't
0: even He know. drugs them.
1: We don't even know what that is. I honestly because I always speak with the victims. I try to be as sensitive as possible, but I also need to know the facts. And when I asked them, I said, did he touch you? Did he penetrate you? Did he touch himself? And they're like, no, he just puts needles and stuff in them. And I just didn't understand. It was very horrific for me because I've never heard of such a thing. I didn't even know if that's a a mental disorder. What is it, called? I didn't get it. It, it just was scary that someone like this can inject things in people's bodies and they don't even know what that is. I asked them if they passed out. They said, no. I said, then I don't, I don't understand. What is this man doing? But the damage that he caused is just over the years. He started doing this in 2012 and he's still doing this until now.
0: And because- the- So for eight years, yeah. he's been doing this. Yeah. His, he's been- He's been going into churches. He and his wife basically target young women. Yes. Tell them, oh, your parents are not letting you become the person you need to become. Mm -hmm. I'm a psych, my husband's a psychiatrist. He can help you. We can help you. Mm -hmm. Then they lure the girls to their home and drug them. Yes. And he puts
1: objects, he violates them with with objects. Um, And he keeps doing this. Besides the sexual assault part, Those girls used to live with him and his wife. It wasn't just visits to the apartment. And he actually set some rules that were really creepy. So he basically assigned a certain square on the floor for each girl to pray in every day. They were not allowed to open social media. Um, He only gives them one hour per week to check the social media. They are not allowed to read any book without him reading it first. And it was just so so strange. I didn't even believe that something like this exists.
0: Oh, and I mean, to your point, the, this is classic behavior of a like a messianic cult leader. Yes, right? right. He he gets his wife to do his bidding. He controls all these young women. He controls their social media intake, their reading. Yeah. Did their parents report them as missing? How how did? Cracks start to appear in this case, and how did you become aware of it and become involved? You see, this case is very sensitive
1: because it's in the within the Christian community. So basically, no parents wanted to come forward because they believe that this is going to shame their church, not that person,
0: and that's why nobody reported anything. And he, you know, we have such a similar problem here, Merhan, as you know, with the Catholic Church,
1: oh. decades.
0: Not- Decades and decades of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. of young, of boys, of girls, teenagers, much younger children. And this went on for decades. And I think that one of the reasons that it didn't stop was, as you point out, you know, people thought they would bring shame on the church. And and they couldn't imagine a religious, you know, people in the religious community doing this to their children. Yeah. It, you know, they couldn't even wrap their minds around it. Back to your point, you know, of how this guy hides behind religion and he yeah. hides behind medicine and he's able to do so much damage.
1: Yes. And that's that's the biggest problem, which is the community itself. It's very strong. They don't want people to criticize them or accuse them of being, you know, perverts or something like that. Because sadly, not everybody makes the distinction between the church and the people who go to the church, for example. And the second problem that we have is, again, the society. Because every time I try to speak about it, somebody will be like, why did they go to his home? 15 years old is not a baby. She should know better. How come he would ask her to take off her pants to, you know, examine her. Because this is what he used to tell the girls. I'm a doctor. I'm examining you. You need those shots. If you don't take those shots, you would have to be treated with, you know, electrocution and I don't know what crazy things. So people used to tell me that it doesn't make sense. Why did she take off her pants? Again, our sexuality is something very shameful. If you get your period in Egypt and you want to go buy pads, it feels like Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise. You have to hide it. You have to get a bag, a plastic bag that is black. You have to wrap it in newspapers. Why? Why do I have to go all the way to cover the fact that I'm a woman and my body has something like this?
0: I have a flow. What right. Do? right. I'm, I'm, I'm a woman. Um, exactly. I mean, ar- go what, arrest me.
1: Exactly. What, what do you want me to do? You know, it's really funny that you remember I told you um, there is a doctor here that helps me. And she helped me a lot, Dr. Terry from Total She told me she has something new. It's called, I don't know if you heard about it, BTL Mcella. It's something to, it's not invasive, but it's something to help with the monopause. Uh, It helps basically with your floor muscles, pelvic floor muscles. So it's very good for a women's health in general. And because I spoke about it, people attacked me saying that I'm encouraging older women to behave like sluts, as if you if you passed the-
0: Good, more of that.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, a woman past 40 is not supposed to think about sex. Why does she care about her, her pelvic muscles? I'm like,
0: what do you mean? Oh, my God. is go buy Viagra,
1: and for them, that's uh, an aid. This is something to help them live better and healthier life. But for us as women, we cannot do that.
0: See how right. These double standards, right? Absolutely. And, and absolutely. I, I see your point of how this is linked to what the psychiatrist does, right? People yeah. blaming these girls. Yeah. Why would they go to his house? Why would they allow him to examine him? And it's yeah. it's because he's a liar. Yeah. It's because he intimidates them. Mm-hmm. And it's because they believe that they're supposed to do what he says, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's a doctor. And. And then and then, you know, they live in a culture that if they talk about it, they will be blamed for it, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. And they did. They they spoke they reached out to me. Um, I spoke to one of the other activists as well who started talking about the case. Yeah. And I was appalled by the amount of information, in the stories they told me. And even after the fact that the girls went to report this guy officially for the first time, he hasn't been arrested yet.
0: He hasn't been arrested. And how long ago was this reported to the authorities? Probably over a month, over a month. And he's just still doing his thing. This guy.
1: He's actually even posting on his Facebook that this is just a hate campaign because we're jealous of his success. I don't know what success he's talking about. He's a nobody, literally.
0: (laughs) He's in Cairo, Manhattan? Yes, yes. You know, this is, we had a similar, you know, a lot of times people, I'm going to just hop in and say, a lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, Middle Eastern women, they're, they're so much worse off than we are. Some people like to comfort themselves by saying that, right? Yeah. It's they have Or they have like a white savior thing about it, about how, oh, we're going to swoop down, we white women, and like, you know, yeah. change these backward people, It's which is a repugnant way of thinking about it. I just always like to remind people, we have very similar problems here. Oh, yeah. Now, it is true that if I were interested in working on my pelvic floor muscles Mm -hmm. at my age because I wanted more sexual pleasure or just because I wanted health. There might be a few people who, um, you know, a random hater on Twitter who would say, who cares? You're not supposed to be sexual anymore. Yeah. Now that, okay. But let's not forget that we had a scandal here, um, First of all, you know, we did have a big scandal in the Catholic Church. Um because so many children were abused, so many teenagers were abused and sexually abused by priests. And then we also had a big problem in gymnastics in the United States. Yes, Olympic Olympic gymnasts yeah. were repeatedly sexually abused. Um by at least one coach, and it was a huge case here. And, you know, people people talked about how um people, you know, the parents of some of these girls talked about how devastating it was that there were people in the community, the gymnastics community, or the communities where they lived who said, "Well, why did your daughter let him do that?" Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly,
0: right. Yeah. So like we're not so great here. let's not let's not pat ourselves on the back too much. Let's see all the connections here. Yeah. I
1: think the biggest uh, difference is that at least you know that there are certain laws and you know that you can trust the system that, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. So there's no reason for me to be harmed. But for example, in my case, I'm dying to visit my grandmother. I mean, I really want to see her. I haven't seen her in two years, but is it worth the risk of me being arrested at the airport because somebody thought that my clothes is not appropriate, or because they think I talk too much and I make them look bad. Like this is like some of the accusations I get. You keep talking about us. Um, okay, well I'm not making this up. It's it's true. And I even remember I once told a man, maybe you're telling me now that I'm causing you a headache and I'm exaggerating, but you don't know that maybe your daughter is in my inbox right now asking me for help because someone assaulted her sexually so
0: right i mean this is a great point you make that you literally have to think twice and and really be frightened to go back to egypt because Mm -hmm. of your Mm -hmm. activism i am right and also because of the way you dress yes
1: absolutely and i'm I'm a very known you know my faith, um and i know that it's going to be a problem i mean i didn't attend my only brother's wedding because I was terrified that they might ruin the wedding for him. And I don't want to ruin his day. So I decided not to show up. Although I know that it made them very sad, him and my mother. But I made a conscious decision that his his wedding is way more important, you know?
0: And Right, than you being... p- potentially getting arrested Oh, I, oh Even
1: worse, I could get attacked by men. Uh, I could get attacked by, you know, I don't know, people who are football supporters. So yeah, it could yes. happen.
0: Right, right. I mean, you're taking you and the other activists working on these issues and raising awareness. The stakes are really high, and I think that is a really big difference. I mean, I really have to honor, and I'm sure our listeners do too, the degree of personal risk that you and the activists you work with at Assault Police um, the lengths you're going to and the risks you're taking. Thank Absolutely. you for that, Merhen. Um, it's huge. I think huge. people
1: even following assault police, they will see Nadine. She posts everyday stories of the some of the death threats that she gets from males. and She, she does.
0: It's terrible. Yes, she
1: laughs it off, but I know that it scares her too. I know that.
0: And it's a form of coercion, right? I mean, there's a spectrum. There's the guy on Twitter saying, fuck you. Yes. You should <laughs> shut up to women who speak out about anything at all. It, there's a spectrum from that <laughs> to death threats. Yes. Right? And these are all forms of coercion yes, um, for it's women destabilizing the social order. You
1: know, now every time a guy shows muscle like this or calls me names or threatens me, I always remember a line that you said in the first podcast I heard, um, you know, and I was like, okay, I need to speak to this doctor. She sounds amazing. And you said upper body strength. That's the reason why initially men started to feel superior because hey
0: That's it. Just
1: (laughs) that's the if you're not following my orders, I'm gonna force you because I'm physically superior. And that's it.
0: So yeah, uh, that's a, the the accident of upper body strength and yeah. plow agriculture. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew what would happen, yeah, right? Exactly. I know. And yet, and, and yet, who knew how how creative women could be, and how resilient and strong, right?
1: Absolutely. I was just telling them. I feel like we as females became Lucy. You know, Lucy the movie when she reached the maximum capacity of her brain. And that <laughs> was absolutely unacceptable for other
0: people. Yeah. I think right.
1: this now, like we're trying to convince them with things that sound very logical to us, but to them, for some reason, it's very offensive. How dare you speaking up? How dare you? Because it's you, know, you life. Yeah,
0: <laughs> good point. Yeah. You just made me think of how all of... Um really a lot of human evolution has been characterized by male attempts at coercion of females and then female counter strategies. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of beautifully uh, kind of uh, reframed everything we've been talking about for me in that way for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that you did that. I want to talk about one of the most incredible things that you and the activists that you work with have recently accomplished. It is a very sad story. It's really upsetting, but I think it's also very inspiring. Merhen, before we let you go, can you talk to us and let's give it some the time it deserves, Mm -hmm. the story of Sarah and Amina Saeed. We talked about it a little bit when you did an Instagram live for me, but please tell our listeners about these girls and what happened to them and what you and other activists, uh, women activists mostly in Egypt, have been doing.
1: Yeah, so basically I received um, a documentary about the case and some files from some of the victims' friends. So we have two beautiful girls, Amina and Sarah who were um, American-Egyptian. Their father was Egyptian. Their mom was American, born and raised in the States. Their father was uh, a taxi driver. And I, when I read through their story, I got to know that they were sexually abused from a very young age of eight and nine. And he continued threatening them with his gun, threatening his wife. He was abusive towards his wife. He was not happy that, in his opinion, the girls were very westernized. And yeah. did not accept uh, that they they might fall in love with an American boy or or to have a boyfriend. He wanted to marry them off to older men in Egypt,
0: basically, and and keep sexually abusing them. Exactly,
1: himself. exactly. So um, he started abusing them since they were young. Continued. They left their home with their mother. They actually filed a police complaint against him. They accused him of sexual assault and rape. And then they had to um, take it back because their mom um, made up with the father. Um, Of course, they were so young. He told them, come back home. I want to talk to you. I promise I won't hurt you again. I won't hate you again. They went back home. He took them in his taxi for dinner. And then he parked on the side of the road and he shot them both dead. So basically, Sarah, the youngest, managed.
0: Was 17.
1: Yeah. uh, Sarah was younger than 17, I think. Um, she managed to make a phone call to 911 after she got shot. And she said on the call, as you can hear it, my dad shot me and I'm bleeding, I'm dying. And the whole situation was just a mess. I mean, it took forever from the police to find them. Uh, they transferred the call to the fire department. I don't know what was the logic behind this move, um, until actually a neighbor was passing by and saw them both dead in the taxi and called 911 and gave them the location. Um, since then, that was 12 years ago, Yasser Saeed has been on the loose. Nobody knew where he was. Um, he was on the top 10 most wanted on the FBI list. And he had $100,000 award on his head. So when I read through the, the, the case files and everything I received, it just didn't make sense to me at all. How come this guy managed to leave the States? I mean, I'm sure that they're controlling the airports. I'm sure they're controlling, you know, enters and exits. But he can take a bus, go to Mexico from Mexico. He can take a flight to anywhere else in the world. I mean, why are you limiting the search on the same city that the crime was committed? It's just it doesn't make sense.
0: Nobody And this crime it. was committed in Irving, Texas. In Texas, yes. In
1: exactly. twenty
0: in two thousand eight. And I, I just I just dug around a little. Amina was eighteen yes. and Sarah was just seventeen. Oh. And he called he called this an honor killing, right, yes. Matthew? He thought Can you that explain that to, to listeners? Well, they are. Uh, he
1: thought that they need to have to be more religious. They are not allowed to have boyfriends, and because Sarah and Amina both have boyfriends, it just sets him off. Basically, he felt like they are out of control. They are not religious enough, or they are not good girls. And the saddest part is actually the two girls were brilliant in school. They had the best behavior. Their teachers said they were the best students. Their neighbors loved them. He had beautiful daughters. They were angels. Everybody said so. Um, So it's really sad what happened. And I was just so angry that this guy is still out. So I wanted to put something together, like a video, because I really thought if people saw them, they will relate and they will sympathize and try to help. And I just thought to myself, if this guy has been free for 12 years, he's probably grew comfortable now. You know, he knows I haven't got arrested yet. So probably people forgot about me. So I thought, mm. oh, what the, if the police cannot find him, people can. Because he probably goes out for grocery shopping. He goes to cafes. People must have seen him somewhere. So let's make sure that they know how he looks like. So I contacted the FBI. And I told them that this guy is Egyptian. And he's from...
0: I, I, I want to just stop for a second. I just love this part of the story. You saw a documentary. Yeah. You got angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to take steps. Yeah. So logically, you contacted the FBI. Yeah, of course.
1: Because I didn't understand how come the, the FBI. Initiated. Yeah, 12 years. I mean, 12 years is such a long time. And I even asked myself they don't have a superior who comes every now and then and asks, hey, what happened with this murder case? Where are we? It's just it's outrageous for me that those girls get mur- murdered. And this guy is just free living his life. And I actually thought, what if he got remarried and he has other daughters that he's assaulting right now as we speak, right? Right, right, right. He needs right. to be taken out.
0: So after I posted the, their story, It's just Okay, You you, because the first step was you started a social media campaign, right? Yes, I did. You said we have to bring this guy, Yasser Abdel Saeed, to justice. He has to pay for what he did to his daughters. I don't care if nobody else cares. I don't care if the police have done nothing. I don't care if it's a cold case. We have to do something. And that's what your social media campaign was about. You wanted people to know who these girls were and what a loss it was. Exactly. And
1: I felt like the environment is perfect because now we're all like, Females have that strong sense of solidarity and I felt like this is the best atmosphere to talk about this and get the maximum support possible from everyone. So when, when I started talking about it, people just, it was shared like crazy. It was trending in Egypt for three days straight on Twitter. Everyone was talking about it and tweeting about it and I translated it. So I put Arabic subtitles so everyone can understand everything mm-hmm. And I called the FBI and I said, Hey, I started getting sightings of this guy. People are texting me. I explained that I created the campaign. Uh-huh. and I know you're looking for this man for 12 years. And uh, at the beginning, I felt like they didn't really, they were not keen because maybe they felt like, Oh, it's too old now, 12 years. Um, but I, every okay. time she tried to hang up, I was like, okay, but, but, but I have one more message.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: Yeah. So after that, I did some research and I knew that in 2017, they leaked to the media that a maintenance guy called or tipped the FBI that he saw him. And by the time they arrived, they couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. And it just sounded really weird to me. I mean, why would you mm-hmm. stay in the same city after committing a murder? That's not really smart. And the mm-hmm. second thing, <laughs> yeah, it's the dumbest, I mean, dumbest just ever. How come he remained hidden for 12 years? And the second is he's from upper Egypt and it's really difficult to find someone. If he fled to Egypt, Um, it needs an extraction because this is pretty much up in the mountain. It's really hard to find anyone. Um, So I asked, the family, if they, you know, got in touch with the Egyptian authorities to see if he's in Egypt or to report that this man, because I'm sure the Egyptian government is not going to go randomly on the FBI's most wanted list and see, oh, what can we do today? I wish, but it doesn't happen. So I asked Mm -hmm. them to report the incident. I actually called the police myself and I told them this man is wanted in the US, he's Egyptian and maybe he's in Egypt. And then people started sending me messages saying uh, I have seen this guy in this area at this time. So I started sending all this info to the FBI 24-7. I think I didn't sleep for two days straight because I was so worried okay.
0: that someone will see him and I won't act fast. And the- You wanted to just know as soon as yeah. you got those tips. Yeah. I'm sorry, at this point, were the were there sightings, was he in Egypt or was he in the U.S. at this point?
1: Okay, so this is where all the vagueness um, so basically after uh, two weeks i got a phone call from the same officer that i spoke to and he said we got him i said you got whom he said we got after yes two weeks. weeks yes only after two weeks um he said we got yes and saeed he's right here um and we're going to transfer him to prison i was like okay but what happened and he said no i will tell you later i will tell you everything later because i wanted to know how and where and everything we mm-hmm. uh, will call you back. And then he didn't call back. I kept calling again and again. They didn't pick up. So I sent him a message. I said, it's okay. I just want to know how or where, in, in the States or in Egypt. And then he's just stopped responding completely. Um, And then I found that they had a media statement. They said that, guess what? A maintenance guy called the FBI and tipped them. And then they headed over there and found him in the same city in Texas.
0: So in uh, Irving, Texas, yeah. the same place where he shot and killed his daughters, yeah. shot them 11 times, yeah. Correct. just so, living there.
1: Yeah. So I don't understand how it was 2017, a maintenance guy. And then in 2020, a maintenance guy, I even remember I said to the officer, I would love to meet that maintenance guy because it seems like he's really good. I mean, if, yeah. <laughs> if he can remember a face, because remember back then. The social media wasn't that strong. We're talking 12 years ago. So there is no logical reason to even think that a maintenance guy has seen the face of this man in a newspaper 12 years ago, and he remembered his face when he saw him in the street. I can't even remember the woman who was sitting next to me yesterday in the restaurant when I was having dinner. So it's impossible. It doesn't make Mm. sense to me. But I didn't really care at that point because I was so happy that he's captured, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. thought about it later and I felt like maybe because there was an award and they felt like, okay, I don't know, maybe. Uh, So so that
0: he could claim the reward.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think because nothing else makes sense, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) but I'm so glad that he's captured because it seems like nobody really... Um, digged into this case for such a long time. I I, I, I asked the officer a question. I said, but didn't you think, I mean, ask yourself, why of all places did he choose to park his car in this place? Why? I mean, this is a premeditated murder, right? He didn't use a silencer on his gun. He had a plan. He had a plan. So why didn't he start digging from here? And then I realized that I got frustrated because I'm not supposed to be asking the police, police questions
0: right it's really frustrating and i felt that they really let them down somehow that they did yeah. i mean you know marhan you probably are aware that there was an article a, a reporter after the fact yeah um interviewed amina's boyfriend yes um yeah and he and he told reporters that she had predicted her father would kill her yes and, he and that he him. was regular on the yes. regular threatening to kill her. Yeah. So this is a girl who was failed by so many systems. Yeah. She was failed by her mother. She was who was herself clearly the victim of all kinds of violence and yeah. manipulation. She was failed by as you said, you know, the criminal justice system in the United States. And then there was this crazy bullshit concept of an honor killing, right? Because yeah. honor killing is a term that is often used to give men a pass for having killed their daughters or their lovers, because they've made this man lose yeah. face, right? Yeah, you just said it. You just said it. It's it, guess what? There's no such thing as an honor killing. It's a oh. killing. Oh, it is. It doesn't it's a murder. Oh. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He basically, he sexually abused his daughters. Yeah. He was pissed that one of them had a non-Muslim boyfriend, and he was pissed that he couldn't marry them both off to Egyptian men for money. Mm-hmm. So he said, "They're of no use to me. I'm killing them." Yes. That's exactly. And what you, saying. and nobody did a damn thing about it no. for for 12 years. No, until you. You know
1: what? I was so upset because I think it also had something to do with, you know, the Fairmont case and all the rape cases that we keep hearing about. And I just, when I saw that case, I think it was the last straw for me. I really got enraged. I felt like, are we this cheap? Like for real, you can just shoot me down dead and just continue living your life like nothing happened. No, that's not right. Yeah.
0: I th- this is so uh, so important a point, you know, that yeah. you were spurred to action, and the women that you worked with were spurred to action because you saw that these girls' lives had been valued Absolutely. so little, and, and you I stand for it.
1: When I announced that he has been captured, and I actually posted a photo of him in prison, it's just the uh, the overwhelming joy. That spread in Egypt was so heartwarming because I really thought, and again, I was wrong, but I was really pleasantly surprised that they won't really care. You know, I was worried that they might see Amina and Sarah as foreigners. I was worried that they might judge them exactly as their father did and think that they Mm -hmm. are not girls. But no, Egypt was celebrating the day that he got captured and women really cared. And when I checked randomly the comments, even from men, they, they wrote, I cannot believe this man decided to end the lives of his daughter. I cannot believe this guy is still out there. And that gave me a read on the society that, you know what, I think we're really making a progress. I think we're doing better.
0: You know, such a such a sad story about what happened to them, but such a good point to end. I could talk to you forever, and we have yeah. to have you come back again to talk to us about the Fairmont yeah. uh, gang rape case and a couple of. Uh, listen, in a month, you're going to have done ten other things, <laughs> and we need to have you come back on oh, again. I hope so. It would be my partner. But, uh, but I love your sense as somebody who's like right at the heart of these things happening that can feel so discouraging you're feeling a change, you're feeling a shift, you know, and you, you're, you and other women activists are making the shift happen. So I hope that I know that our listeners will be really inspired to hear your story about making a difference in the lives of women and, and bringing, bringing people to justice and, and making them pay. Thank right. you
1: for connecting. For their abuses. You see that beautiful network that you created. All of very strong women, very loving women who really have that sisterly bond. And I cannot tell you how many people I got introduced to through you because they were um, your followers and they always follow on your podcast and listen to you. And all of them text me on Instagram saying, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even know that this is happening. So you are, you have changed my mentality. I am trying to do the same for the women in my country, and I will always keep that in heart. Like I love and respect you so much. Um, Merhen,
0: you're so sweet to say that, but your inspiring (laughs) activism comes 100% from you. And you guys, if you're listening, follow Merhen Keller if you are not already. Send her some love on Instagram. Ask her how you can be involved. I'm going to put in the show notes what Whitney and I uh, will be doing to help elevate these cases and including the TikTok cases um, and the other things that are going on in Egypt, how you can help, how you can get involved. It'll all be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And Merhen, like I said, you're an inspiration. Thank you for giving us an hour of your day. Thank you for just pursuing what you believe in doggedly. I love you for it.
1: Thank you. I love you so much. And thank you for all the guidance and all the help.
0: I really appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon. Take care. Keep up the good fight, Merhen. Thank you. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a
1: lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.